0: the latest episode of Alan's recap. Today we'll be talking all things golf. So I'm joined by Jason Sobel, who is a senior golf rider for the Action Network. So first of all, thanks a million for joining me again, Jason. And first of all, actually, I think I need to congratulate you on your recent hole-in-one, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, I mean let's get to the big stuff first. We get we got Tiger Masters, no big deal. I made a hole in one the day after. So um, you know, it was uh it was funny because Bryson D made his first hole in one ever, which I was shocked by, but he made a hole in one mm. on Sunday at sixteen. And after I saw his, I started thinking, you know, I've got to start checking the air density a little more. And as soon as I did that the next day, <laughs> there we go. I finally made one. He has a lot to lot to uh thank for
0: yeah. that. I suppose getting on to the main event, uh, which was Augusta and last weekend's action, like what was, before a ball had been struck on Thursday, what were your initial thoughts going into it um, with relation to who you thought was on form? What was the general consensus around the practice ground, driving range? Were certain players confident, with, were others not?
1: And what was the kind of atmosphere like at Augusta this year? Going into it, it was one of the very few events over the years where Tiger Woods is involved. Tiger Woods is going to be uh, a factor. And Tiger Woods, I didn't think, was the biggest storyline going into it because Rory McIlroy, for I believe the fifth straight year, had a chance to claim the career Grand Slam at Augusta National, of course, which should obviously suit his game really well. And he's played there. He just hasn't won. Um, but he's contended um, and and in terrific form coming in. I mean, he hadn't finished worse than sixth place in a stroke play event all year. And I really thought uh, with Rory McIlroy kind of firing on all cylinders and playing better than anybody else in the world uh, as the favorite going into the tournament, he was also the biggest storyline coming in and uh, I didn't pick him. I, I just thought there's, there's still too much scar tissue that hasn't yet healed up. At Augusta National, I, I think we all believe that at mm. some point Rory wins a green jacket, but we also believe that about Ernie Els for so many years, and that never happened either. Uh, it, I would think, I mean, you <laughs> know, if I was putting money on Rory right now, I'd certainly put him on to win. I wouldn't get great odds for it, but I, I think at some point he wins the Masters, but there, like I said, there's, there's some demons still lurking there. So I thought that was the biggest storyline. Obviously, Tiger's always a storyline. I thought Tiger would play well coming in did not see that coming as far as just how well he played. Uh, I'm not sure to say some of that coming, which is so momentous and historic. I, I had Ricky Fowler. I'll, you know, I own my picks afterwards. I always uh, make my picks beforehand and I, I had Ricky Fowler. and it, it seems like Ricky gets into these yeah. things and it doesn't do much for a few days. And all of a sudden at the end goes on a little charge and finishes really close and enough where, a few years from now, we go back and look and say, "Wow, he finished T nine. He played really well that week, and he was never really quite in it." So, uh, of course, that under underscores the uh, the yeah. the big story there, which which was of course Tiger. Mm. And uh,
0: yeah, mm. I suppose my picks. I, I have to get this in. Was uh, okay. I went with Charles Howell the third, Ian Poulter, and I actually did. I did predict Woods because I not too much thought about it. I just thought it. He was fourteen to one here. I thought it was too good to potentially miss out on so i was more lucky rather than me being adamant that he was going to win but on on the topic of tiger like what was it did you get a chance to talk to him or was there any other journalists that were saying you know what tiger seems to he's seems to be strictly business this week he seems to be coming in under the radar because he he obviously got the massive win the last time he spoke in the tour championship and this year he hadn't done many things that were remarkable but he was playing consistent enough and it just seemed that he kind of went under the radar, but you had the sense that most of his game was kind of under control. And one of the big things heading into the masters, what a lot of people like yourself would look out for is his greens and regulation. Mm -hmm. And he seemed to be one of the top guys in the tour like that. And then once I saw that, and once I saw that being brought up by, people trying to give their predictions i was thinking if tiger can manage his way around augusta and as long as someone like a dj or a rory don't shoot a 65 64 and get miles ahead he's definitely got a chance but like at what stage did people start saying you know
1: what was after the first round the front nine or i will tell you richie that uh, i did a few radio interviews in my own podcast i do for action network uh on wednesday and Whenever Tiger was brought up, my observation from the media center, from the interview room where he spoke in the press conference was um, there were no red flags. There were no warning signs. There was nothing, even in his language, even his body language, which showed us, you know what, might not quite be as weak. He might not quite be ready for it. He just he seemed confident. He seemed happy. <coughs> Excuse me. He seemed like he was ready to go, ready to play well and obviously he was um, obviously he um, he came out there and I thought he would kind of do sort of what he did which was he never comes out sort of going low in the opening round of a major championship he treats Thursday as let me throw a few jabs let me see what the course has uh, you know I I haven't seen him as first round leader in an awfully long time uh, especially at a major mm-hmm. championship but it's it's the old axiom of uh, don't lose the tournament on Thursday uh, and you can't win it then. So yeah. uh, played pretty well on Thursday with a 70 and he knew right away as soon as he walked off that golf course. Well, he, he said he'd won all four of his green jackets beforehand shooting 70 in the first round. That wasn't true. In 05, he shot 74, but uh, three of the first four, mm. he, uh, he had shot 70 in the first round. He knew that right away. So he was completely pleased with that. 68 the next day, you know, kind of get the feel of things and get into a rhythm. 67 on Saturday, even better, getting himself into serious contention. And, uh, and of course, the uh, the 70, which was good enough on Sunday. And I think, Richie, a a very underrated aspect of that final round is the fact that because of impending weather, they put them in threesomes, of course, groups of three instead of twosomes. Now, Tiger would have been in the penultimate pairing with Brooks Kepka had it been the usual Master Sunday, but instead he gets to go in that final group. Yeah. Now, everyone talks about the fact that Tiger had only won as a front runner in a major championship. He'd never won coming from behind. I think the bigger part of that is that Tiger had won all 14 major championships when playing in the final group. Uh, I think that's so important. It's a comfort zone for him. And I think that he was licking his chops as soon as he saw, oh, it's going to be groups of three and I'm going to be in the last one. Um, I, I don't know that there's that much of a necessarily intimidation factor. You know, I don't, I don't think Francisco, Francesco Molinari, uh, played on the stretch because tiger was there, but I think it's comfortable for tiger first of all. And secondly, he's so good at just knowing first of all, when to pounce. And, and secondly, when he doesn't necessarily need to, I think 12 was, uh, one of the important things for him. Molinari obviously puts his in the water. who was a little bit out of it at that point, put his in the water and then Tiger. saw I'm just going to put it on the fat part of the green and I'm going to make up a couple of shots here. And that's exactly what he did, which was such a smart play. And if he's not in that pairing, if it's uh, Molinari and Finao in that pairing and Tiger's already played through there, he does not have that advantage. So I think that was huge for him. No, that is definitely a good point. And a lot of people refer to on
0: commentary after that specific hole where the two, two lads went into the water, what i just found especially in the two or three holes prior to that like woods he just he kept on the heels of molinari was even like close to being tied um at certain stages in the in the final round but he you felt that he was always there and then as you said the fact he was actually in the group and visually he was there and the crowd were there and even a lot of people don't like saying it but when molinari goes into the water like there is cheers there is encouragement brought towards woods to you know take initiative here go and get that 15th major and I thought at certain stages his course management was really really good and I think that's a a lot of people tend to forget that when they just say oh uh, a Ricky or a DJ or a whoever a non-form player a Xander or someone like that they don't seem to have the experience which is albeit expected but even just little moments like that where Woods kind of takes his medicine and goes okay I'm going to go for a par here I know where to play it on the green because he's played in Augusta so many times. I just felt there were certain moments in that round where he just showcased his experience and ultimately his his will to be disciplined in order to eventually get the result he required, which was a win. But on the flip side of that, I would be right in saying there was one or two times where I think he was coming mm-hmm. in aiming corner. could have been the third round, could have been the fourth. I'm not 100% certain where his drive went astray right. and then ended up hitting against... A tree branch and ended up coming back through the fairway so he did have his own slice of luck along the way <laughs> but I suppose if I'm to lead this towards a question is like did do you think like he's going to be chasing Jacks now or do you think a huge amount of that win was just proven to himself that I can get back here. Mm. I can win again. I want to do it in front of my family.
1: Well, first of all, I, I agree with you that he did have some luck out there, too. He, he strategized his way around the golf course really well. Um, mm. Got a couple of breaks. But look, every guy who wins a major championship gets some breaks at some point, too. So, you know, that's not necessarily uh, just for Tiger. You know, that's that's everybody who mm. winds up winning them. Um, but, yes, he, he, he played for par, and he also saved some par. We forget. That putt on nine might have been the best putt I've ever seen that didn't go in the hole. I mean, that was just a tremendous putt. That easily could have been left ten feet short or gone ten feet past. Yeah, he makes bogey there, and it's a, an entirely different ball game going into the turn and going down the stretch. So, um, to get to your question here, if you had asked me what five, six, seven days ago. Do I think Tiger Woods is going to pass Jack? If Do I think Tiger Woods is going to get another major championship? Forget passing Jack Nicholas. Do I think Tiger's going to get number 15? I've been, as a guy who covers the game, as a guy who's supposed to be a quote-unquote expert, as a guy who analyzes this stuff, I have ridden the fence for like three, four, five straight years on this question. It's the biggest burning question in the game, and every time I'm asked that question before this past week, I go, uh... I don't know. I, I just don't know. This is why we watch, because I, I absolutely have no idea whether he can win another major. I, I just don't know. I'm 50-50 on it, and I have no idea. Now, I, I'm I'm happy to be proven wrong. We got a chance to watch history. I just have a problem going from last week. I'm not sure if he gets to 15 to watching him get 15 and now saying, oh, yeah, he's got 19 in the bag. No problem. This is definitely going to happen. It's just, it's a really tough transition for me. I don't want to be a prisoner to the moment. I think that (laughs) too often in golf and not just with Tiger, but certainly more so with Tiger than others, but anyone wins on Sunday and looks really good doing it on Monday morning. We all sit around and say, boy, he plays like that. Every time he's going to win an awful lot of these. Uh, Yeah. That's kind of the point is that you don't play that way all the time, or else you would be winning like Tiger did back in his prime. Uh, You know, Mm. mere mortal golfers, uh, Uh, don't play the way they did when they won every single week, or else they wouldn't be mortal golfers anymore. So um, look, I do think he can make a run at it. I think it's at least part of the question. Now I think that before this past week, you couldn't seriously ask the question. I mean, you need to get over the hump need to get that 15th. But what I will say is if he doesn't get to Jack, I feel like for so many years, tiger had stopped at 14 and never got to Jack. I, I've written this before that it's almost a failure. It's almost like he could be the second greatest golfer of all time, at least statistically, and maybe the most dominant, or certainly the most dominant golfer of all time. And somehow in the eyes of some people could have been a a failure in some terms in his career, just because he didn't reach the one most famous Mm -hmm. record in the game. I think now he's sort of erased that. And the way he he played, the way he um, got to number 15, that, if he doesn't get another one, I think everyone's like kind of satisfied with, you know what? That was an awesome run. 11 years after his last major championship, he came back and he won another one. I'm I'm fine with it. I'm satisfied. Uh And and from here, I mean, he said before this, everything for the rest of his career is gravy. Everything after this is certainly gravy. I mean, I don't, I don't think he can do anything that would make number 16 or number 17 any more special than number 15. I mean, this is... Um, As his agent put it to one of my colleagues, uh, I thought it was a great quote, and you don't really get great Mark Steinberg quotes very often, but he said this is not his greatest win, but it is his greatest accomplishment. I thought that was a really smart way to put uh, and summarize quickly what (laughs) Tiger Woods uh, did this past week, because it is his greatest accomplishment to come back. And Richie, how about this? He has come back from sex scandal, addiction, DUI four back surgeries, and the chipping yips. No player in the history of the game has come back from one of those to win Mm. the Masters. He came back from all five of those and won the Masters again. That To me, that is just truly remarkable to do all of that.
0: And like the biggest thing I'm reading online or even in some of the Irish papers is, as you've rightfully said, he had so much trouble off the pitch or even physically, like even his close friend. I remember reading an article And Michael Jordan, this is years ago, Mm -hmm. was saying how that, to quote him, the thing is, I love him so much that I can't tell him you're not going to be great again. And that was a direct quote from Michael Jordan, who's another great of his own respective sport. But like there was a stage several years ago where, number one, I don't think Tiger wanted to play golf. I don't think he ever thought he'd play golf again. And then from a public point of view, from fans' point of view, Nobody expected Tiger to step foot on a golf course, hmm. let alone even swing a club. And then the mere thought of him actually having another green jacket was if you suggested it, you'd probably end up in some sort of institution. But like, is it one of the I know it's very hard to put it into context, but in your opinion, would it be one of the best sporting comebacks, if not the
1: best? I think it has to be. I mean, I I've yet to hear one where someone said you know what? It's not quite as good as this. Uh, you, people bring up Ben Hogan, who obviously was uh, uh, injured in a bus crash that you know left him um, severely injured, uh, and he came back from that. Tiger's gone through injuries, but also all those other things that we mentioned, all the off course stuff. And uh, I love all these people, Richie, on social media and elsewhere, who after Tiger wins, that I knew he could do. It. I I never lost faith in Tiger. I always knew he would come back to this place. So, yeah. so they're going really because tiger didn't think so but but you had faith in him when he knew that he didn't think he'd play golf again uh, you know he's laying in bed taking painkillers and can barely get up and go to the bathroom i mean he's told us this he's told us like he needed help to go to the bathroom and this is we're not talking about 15 years ago we're talking about two and a half years ago to go from he couldn't quite get to the bathroom on his own without somebody like kind of helping him to get there because his back was in so much pain to the point where, Hey, he just won his 15th major championship and his fifth master's title. It's uh, I don't know that there's a story out there that you could find that even rivals this one, quite frankly. And, you know, I, again, I, I hate being a prisoner of the moment. I hate uh, seeing what happened just a few days ago and saying, well, that's the best ever. and, we'll never see it again. And it, it, I, I don't like when people do that uh, forever is a long time. And uh, everything before this has been a, a long time coming to this, but I also can't find a, another situation. I haven't heard one out there where someone goes, you know what? There was this, and this really kind of stacks up pretty well against tiger and might be a little bit better. I I'd love to hear it because I, I'm not ready to anoint it quite yet is like the greatest comeback of all time, but I also don't have anything better. And until I find something better, I'm I'm probably going to stick with it. So listeners, send in any <laughs> bits of
0: information you can to try uh spark that debate. And I suppose the last thing from a, a Masters review point of view is like the big talking point in my side of the world is Rory McIlroy, obviously. And there is obviously a lot of promotion going around leading towards the Open. But Rory obviously is our, is our go-to guy when it comes to the national papers and the hopes, etc. And as you said, he was the favorite heading up, uh, sorry, heading into Augusta. Like what, what do you feel is wrong? Because he didn't exactly perform poorly at Augusta But As you said, there was just this expectation from himself, from the entire tour, the journalists, the public, they were saying he's five, six to one. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's Tiger Woods in his prime odds that you'd see from years ago, dominant domination odds there. Like, He's changed the schedule multiple times on a yearly basis. He keeps talking a big game. He says, my game feels great. Just need to take the opportunities, the kind of generic things you tend to get. Like, what what do you think is going? Do you think it is just a mental block at Augusta Ferrari, or do you think there's something a bit more to it that we fail to see?
1: Well, first of all, I don't quite understand this sort of new age touchy-feely Zen worry that we're getting now where – um, he's, mm. he's not worried. He actually had a quote before the masters. I am not my score. I am not my result. It's almost like <laughs> you, you read that in a self-help book somewhere. And, uh, you know, had, was laying on a couch yeah. where, where, some, somebody, uh, kind of preached that to him. He just started repeating it himself. It's, you know, if Jordan Spieth, the way he's playing right now started talking like the way Rory McElroy is right now, we'd think he was nuts. We'd absolutely think he was crazy. <laughs> But the way Rory's talking and the way he's playing, because he did play, he has been playing uh, extremely well. Obviously, going into the Masters, you kind of give him a free pass. And go, hey, look, man, whatever works. I don't know if if you're not worried about the result and your results are really good, then I guess we can't complain about it. So it, it's still a little strange to me. I, I don't know who's pushing him into this. I, I but he is all in. Uh, you know, he is all in on this kind of you know new age. Um, just sort of, you know, kind of being himself. I guess I I don't even know if that's the right way to put it. Uh, just um, you know, very uh, very self helpish. You know, sounds like he's um, mm. you know, very much into into those kind of things. So he's reading a lot of books like that. Um, that said, I I think this was not necessarily the worst result for Rory McIlroy. He played, like you said, he played okay, didn't play great. Didn't play terrible. Um, I don't know that he could handle another close second or third place finish. I think this is much better for him. Over the next 12 months, Mm -hmm. sure, he'll get Masters questions and questions about the career grand slam, blah, blah, blah. It's the same questions that he's answered already. But with a a one-shot defeat this past Sunday, all of a sudden, Rory's got to answer the – the questions over and over and over. What does it feel like? How much does it hurt you? At least it's like, Hey, you fish far back enough where we almost give them a pass. And, And, and it's so weird to me. And I'm look, I'm as guilty of this as anybody, but when a player comes really, really close and continues to come really, really close, we sort of question why they can't do it and what's wrong. And we try to analyze them. And when a player doesn't really come too close, but isn't that far off, we kinda of just give him a free pass, you know. What was I don't even know what Rory finished. was it somewhere like T21 or something like that. Um, I believe Yeah. Yeah, I, something and, along and those it's just lines. sort of like, hey, that was okay. That was fine. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to criticize a guy who finishes in 21st place. You just say, like, oh yeah, that's a decent finish. Criticize a guy yeah. who finished in second because he didn't get it done. You can criticize a guy who finished five shots back of the cut line because they didn't even get to the weekend, but it's hard to f- criticize a guy who finished 21st. Like I said, I, I think that benefits Rory over the next year because he doesn't have to hear as many questions as he would have otherwise. It's something that sticks with you, as you said. If you finish second or third, people will always say
0: that. At a certain stage, of someone likes to say Ricky Fowler or Lee West would have had uh, those questions thrown at them, especially when they finish second or third so often in majors. Obviously, Ricky's much younger mm-hmm. than Lee, but you kind of get my point. So, Leading on from that, uh, just quickly, the upcoming majors, and obviously there's been a slight adjustment with the USPGA this year. It's now being brought forward to May, and that takes place in uh, Bethpage Black. And then you've got the US Open in Pebble Beach, and then you've got the Open over our side in Royal Port Rush. And I'm just wondering, what are your thoughts, kind of briefly, on those events and I know it's hard to uh, exclude Tiger from the reckoning since he's won at Bet Page and uh, Pebble Beach as well. But yeah, who, yeah he's th- the only one. <laughs> who do you think um, could potentially kind of show up well in those tournaments if possible, George, at this early stage?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, obviously the, the first year of this new schedule, could they have drawn it up any better? I mean, the PGA of America must be doing cartwheels in their office right now, the yeah. executives there, because... Uh, now are they not the last one anymore. They were always kind of just thrown in there at the end. But now they're right in the thick of things. They've got the momentum of Tiger Woods just winning a major championship. They don't have to wait two months like the U.S. Open did before. They don't have to wait four months like they were before. They, they wait about four or five weeks. And then they go straight to New York in the biggest media market in the world at one of the most raucous golf courses in the world and one of the toughest golf courses in the world. And they've got Tiger and all these other guys playing really well. I think this is going to be fantastic theater at Bethpage. I grew up about 20 minutes from there. Um, I'm a big fan of that golf course. I'm a big fan of uh, the tournaments that have been played there in the past. And um, yeah, I, I think Tiger will play well. I think it's very well suited for Rory. I think we're almost drawing a line of delineation right now, a line of demarcation of players who play really well in majors and guys who don't quite get there. And you look at what some of these players have done. Brooks Kepka, obviously, it's hard to pick against him at any major championship right now. Um, mm-hmm. He's played so well over the last three or four years um, that you would expect him now to go out and play really well at Bethpage, which should suit his game pretty well. Xander Shoffley has played in eight major championships in his career. He's been sixth or better in half of those. Um, That's a trend. That's not a coincidence. Mm -hmm. That's a trend. Tony Finau has not played a whole lot of majors, but when he plays, he plays them really well. Francesco Molinari, over the last couple of years, when he's really turned his career around and become a world-class player, plays really well in these things. Tommy Fleetwood wasn't great at the Masters, but still wasn't terrible. Tommy Fleetwood plays really well in major championships, so there there are a bunch of guys now they think are kind of separating themselves from everybody else. Where I don't know what the secret is, and I'm uh, Richie. I'm going to work on this. This is my next project going into the PBA because <laughs> I'm going to write a big piece on this. I, I've always been fascinated at players, and Tiger kind of started this trend of wanting to peak four times per year. And I don't know how you do it if you're a golfer. How you say? Well, I'm gonna to go to Quail two weeks before Beth Page, and I hope I have my B minus game, and then after that, I hope I get up to my A minus game the week before when I'm practicing, and then I hope I have my A plus game for the major championship. That's it's impossible. I don't know how you even consider yeah. doing that. And yet there are a handful of players right now who kind of have been playing their A games at major championships. And you know, I'm like I said, I'm fascinated by just how and who is able to go after it. So Anyway, Beth Page, uh, I like a lot of those guys who have been playing well. Watch out for Phil. Phil Phil loves the New York crowds. And as someone put to me the other day, it makes a lot of sense. Who's going to be more motivated by a Tiger Woods major championship than Phil Mickelson? I mean, Phil sees, first of all, just, you know, Mm -hmm. the motivation that, you know, his old buddy has given to him. Second of all, he sees dollar signs. You think he doesn't want another match with both of them uh, bringing their major championship hardware out there? (laughs) He would love doing that. So, uh, I, I would say watch out for Phil. as a little dark horse there. Um, just real quickly, Pebble Beach. I've I've had Bryson DeChambeau penciled in for Pebble Beach for a while. I'm a big fan of guys who once they win a USGA event, and he was a, a US amateur champion. I I feel like certain guys play well at USGA events, and other guys don't. And for whatever reason, I I I think there's some separation there, and I think Bryson will play really well. He's a a, a california guy i think he's gonna be comfortable out at pebble beach I, I really like him there but of course uh you look at past history and dustin johnson wins almost everything at pebble beach so um he could be a very good pick that week as well and then royal port russia you can tell me better than i can tell you but um i you know look rory's gonna have a lot of pressure on him that week i i don't know that he can do it back there with all that pressure and yeah. quite honestly Rory plays better on Parkland course than Lynx courses these days anyway. Um, I I know I just picked him, and I've picked him before, and I've got to stop picking him in majors because it hasn't happened yet, but Ricky Fowler on a Lynx course like that is going to be very, very stout and very tough to beat. Yeah,
0: no doubt. I'd I'd agree with that Ricky Fowler shout anyway. Do you
1: reckon you'll be able to make it over to the Open
0: in – in july or will you be staying uh stateside i'm
1: not sure yet i i spoke with my editor about my schedule just kind of peel back the curtain a little bit we had a talk yesterday and we kind of got through the end of june and we're not quite at july yet so we're kind of taking it a few months at a time but um i will probably figure that out in the next couple of months so i'd like to be over there um but then again just sort of you know budgetary reasons and other reasons it's if I can get to three other tournaments because I didn't spend the money to go over to the Open, that might be worth my while. You know, there are just certain things you have to think about, especially as a young company like we are, um, that you can't just say, hey, I'd like to go there, so I'm going to get on a plane and go. <laughs> it's not its not that easy as everyone thinks. Yeah. You know, it's its certainly no disrespect to the Open or the RNA or anybody else because I'd love to be over there, but yeah. uh, I just can't always make everything work.
0: I got you, and it should. Should look relatively good on the television mm, though. It's actually mm. a lovely course. It's right beside similar enough to Pebble Beach right beside the ocean. So hopefully the weather holds up so we can uh, at least have some no, sort of good golf no, in the windy weather's and
1: awful. Rain. I hope it rains sideways <laughs> the entire time. Are you kidding me? I don't want it open in nice weather. Okay.
0: Well then there's a high
1: possibility that will happen. <laughs> good.
0: Um so last thing, and this was a question sent in, as in we discussed this the last time. Uh we had a podcast together it was about the rule changes and Mm. a lot of people hadn't watched a lot of golf just kind of couch potatoes who don't watch golf regularly on the pga tour a lot of people watching the masters and you could see a lot of tweets and stuff like that they were at shock with the flag being kept in Mm -hmm. and people dropping it from knee height etc and not so much what the public reception's been like but i know like the usga have hired like a player relations um officer to help out with the players but like what is the general consensus being with the with the pros on tour about the rule changes have they kicked up more of a fuss or are they kind of used to it now and getting on i
1: think we're all pretty much in unison both players fans casual uh golfers that the dropping from your knee thing is really awkward and doesn't make any sense and i i don't know one person who said oh yeah i like this a lot better you know you know i like putting the ball down by my knee it's just it's weird it's just awkward is the best way to put it. Um, I, I've come around on putting with the flag sticks in, and whether whether you like it or you don't, I, I just don't care a whole lot. I mean, I I, I find it I play a lot of golf. I play about three <laughs> or four days a week. If I've got a 30-foot downhill putt and it just helps to kind of see it, I mean, instead of having someone tend the pin, um, I'll, I'll just leave it in there and it just kind of helps a little bit. I As far as watching on TV, I don't really care a whole lot. Um, the only observation I had from the Masters was a guy like Adam Scott who's leaving the flag stick in and putting terribly. It almost looks a lot worse when, hey, you didn't even hit the hole. You didn't hit the flagstick. It's like you're, you've got a big metal thing in the middle of the hole, and you from three feet away, you can't hit that. It just looks worse. Uh, you know, If I was Adam Scott, I'd take that thing out just so it, it almost doesn't look as bad Uh, when i'm putting like that because i he was awful i mean he could have if you put it average you might have been able to win that golf tournament but um other other rules change i Mm. everything's okay i mean i i like things better the other way there's a couple little things I you can now if you hit one ob um you can now take a two-stroke penalty and hit four i've used that a couple times where it's like you know we're playing a casual game and Hey, it's right on the edge. I'm not sure if it's OB or not. I'm not going to tee up another one, but I'm playing with buddies and I want to finish out the hole. So, all right, well, I'll just take a drop uh, equidistant to where it went out of bounds and I'll hit four from here. Try to get it up and down and, you know, make a five or whatever, or try to at least make a six. You know, it's, I kind of like that rule. I think that makes some sense, but um, the dropping for the knee one is, is, you know, still the one that's most worthy of mocking and still been getting the most uh, uh, grief from players, I think.
0: Yeah, well, like it, it's interesting with the with the flag being in, as you said, Adam Scott had a bit of a horror show at Augusta. Like there is a lot to be said for, say, a short putter, aggressive short putter, like someone like Ricky Fowler. I know he doesn't do it, but some people would, as I said, be in pubs having these little debates, saying it could help players if they're close to the hole, and then some people would say, "Oh, could not,"
1: and blah blah blah. But as you said, I think it it's. It doesn't make a difference. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. it, it honestly doesn't matter. It really doesn't. I mean, maybe one I I started leaving them in just out of uh <laughs> laziness for a little while at the beginning of the year. And I hit one, it was like a twenty-foot uphill putt, and it was right in the heart, and it hit the stick and actually bounced out, went about three feet away, and I was still so mad about it that I missed the next one coming back, and now I try to take it out for almost everything, unless, like I said, I have a long downhill putt, but most of the time it just doesn't matter and the the amount of people who have been talking about this i always think i we've got like these little pins you know little kind of two foot high pins on our practice screen and whenever you're putting on the practice screen i mean yes you can take them out but usually just leave them in there and you know it might hit the stick and go in might hit the stick and go out i don't know i i didn't feel like it was uh that much of a culture shock for people to put with sticks in but apparently um maybe just the look of it is why uh so many people are talking about it still
0: Mm, yeah definitely upset the few traditionalists but sure as you said who cares um so (laughs) last uh last but not least um just a few quick fire questions and i'll let you uh get off to bed and hopefully myself as well so um yeah just i'll bang them out and first thing that comes up Mm -hmm. uh say it without prompt hopefully and we Hopefully you won't end up in too much trouble, but anyway. Okay, um, all right. Let's get me in trouble. (laughs) If you could play a round of golf with one professional golfer, who would it be and why?
1: I'm supposed to say like Tiger Woods, aren't I? I I would have a lot of fun with Phil. I I caddied in a group where Phil was playing with us. uh, Caddied for Brendan Steele at the Monday finish of the BMW last year. Phil was in the group. I think playing with Phil would be really fun. I'm not sure I have enough money to do it, though. I'd have to be (laughs) honest. Yeah, Uh, the strangest thing you saw at the Masters. I'm supposed to be quick with these answers, aren't I? Yeah, well, I'll let it out the delay, so it'll seem quick. (laughs) Just because it's on my mind because we were talking about it in the last question, but uh, Adam Scott showed up on Saturday with a completely different putter and different putting stroke. And was working on that. And then went back to the other one um, for the actual competitive round. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's strange or if it's sad or what it is. And I I don't have a better (laughs) answer than that, but um, it's just, it's the third round of the masters, man. I mean, if you haven't figured it out by now, uh, this is not the time or place to be trying out new things.
0: Yeah, no, that's definitely a combination of sad and strange, no doubt. Um, So, Next one is the worst question a journalist can ask a golfer.
1: Well, there's two. Okay. First first is the worst question a journalist can ask anyone, which isn't a question. It's talk about. And the real mm. journalists out there understand what I'm saying here. When, you know, uh, let's say Tiger Woods sits down and someone says, talk about your round. That, that's not a question. That's a generic, like, <laughs> "Hey, I'm. I want you to know that I, I want to ask a question, but I don't know what question to ask, so I'm just gonna yell something and you talk to me. Um, that that does no good for anybody. So the talk about question is terrible. Mm-hmm. The other thing, and I I've gotten, uh, I've learned over the years to to be careful with this, where player comes off and you know he's not necessarily in the lead, and you see him and he's kind of walking out of scoring, and you go, Hey, how'd you shoot today? Not a good question to ask a golfer if you don't know how he shot, because when he shot 78 and he (laughs) looks at you like he wants to punch you in the face, you'll understand how bad of a question that is. (laughs) I could imagine. Um, Second,
0: last one, and it kind of goes in team with sergio garcia kind of losing the plot a little bit this year and a few others um would happy gilmore get away with his antics on the pga tour currently
1: most of them uh fighting bob barker probably wouldn't go over (laughs) too well uh the commissioner would probably be out there for that you probably have to wear a collared shirt i'm not sure you could wear a hockey jersey but um yeah i you know the tour almost needs something like that they need a bad boy you know i i I, I spoke. I was speaking with a, a buddy of mine who's in a, a big rock band uh, and world famous band, and he, uh, you know, he's saying that why is there no one out there with like tattoos up and down their arms, like a neck tattoo, and like just kind of a bad, bo- like it mm. wouldn't take much to be sort of the bad boy on tour, and you don't have to be a jerk. You don't have to be, you know, like you know, yelling at people and yelling at fans. you could be a completely nice guy, but just be tatted up and have a couple of earrings in. And you know maybe a cool haircut, and that's all it would take. And every single sponsor in the world who's looking for somebody that's not just generic and vanilla, uh, it would be pretty cool. So I I don't know if that answers the Happy Gilmore question, but I, I think we need more different players out there. Um. So yeah, I you know bring Happy on. I'd I'd love that. I'd like to interview him. Yeah. And actually, on that topic, did you get to
0: see John Daly's Hooter stand? in the car park no No. I,
1: i i come in and leave through the other side of washington road and i'm completely fine with that i look i more power to john daly uh he's making money off of it he needs to make some money people are there having fun i won't belabor anybody who wants to go over there and spend some money and hang out with john and have a good time drink some beers that's all well and good i i like it there's stories written every year where journalists go over there they talk to him and talks about doing his thing that's it's fine it's all fine it's not really my thing but more power to him Uh, i think it's kind of cool
0: and the last one will be what is your great big hope for the summer with regards to golf
1: just all of the great players playing really well which we've kind of gotten so far i mean i don't know that i can necessarily give you names for the next three major championships i mean i guess I guess I could say Tiger, Tiger and Tiger for the next three, which, by the way, (laughs) is only it's never happened. No one in the modern era has won the Grand Slam in a single year. As we all know, the number for that at the books, at least here in America, is 50 to one. As I've said to people already in the last couple of days, if you're going to try to make a wager where it's something that's never happened before. I mean, if you tell me a meteorite's going to hit Earth tomorrow and destroy civilization as we know it, I want better than 50 to one odds. I mean, give me like a thousand to one that that's going to happen. 50 to one for something that's never happened before. I don't care what that instance is. I'm probably not going to take those odds because they're way too low. But yeah, so it's three to two again here in America, at least three to two for Tiger to win one more major, which is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, think about Francesco Molinari was 14 to one at the uh at Town this week. Tiger three to two to win another major. He's ten to one. Again, better odds than Francesco was this week. Ten to one to win two more majors and fifty to one to win all three of them. Uh I I don't even know what to say about that, but don't you know, save your money, guys.
0: Yeah. No, I think after the latest win they have some sort of Terminator four sequel planned with him as the main actor like he's indestructible at the minute but I suppose after all the stuff he's been to true I should say you never know but um Jason listen that that wraps it all up and um listen I want to thank you very much for spending some time to chat all things golf and as we discussed here hopefully we've got uh, more eventful majors and PJ Tour and even hopefully a few uh Bits and bobs off the course as well to help us uh, moan in due course. But um, listen, Jason, thanks a million for coming on, and hopefully I'll get to chat to you again in the future. Yeah, anytime,
1: Richie. Thanks for having me. We've got some momentum now, so this could be, uh, you know, based on the first major at least, this could be a really special year. So let's hope so at least. Fingers crossed. Well, thanks a lot, Jason. Thanks, buddy.